To the True Blue LA podcast. I'm Jacob Birch. Eric Steven is out on an eight game suspension for thinking <laughs> of throwing a baseball. Yeah. I, oh, I didn't actually, you're, are you uh, wearing, oh, you're wearing uh, the mustache, uh, so you're I'm allowed sorry, back I'm in. I'm sorry. Oh, you're I fine. didn't actually hit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, yeah. So, what a week, man. It, it, this is again one of those things where I, we have a like decent idea what we're going to talk about, and then like it kind of just changes suddenly. You know, like, so we were going to talk a lot about a certain uh, suspension uh, and incident, uh, but it's it's a little bit back burner-ish, but we'll get to it, obviously. All we'll say is that uh, we don't know whether Joe Kelly is going to serve a suspension this year or next year. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we'll talk about why that is. We'll talk about the suspension itself. Uh, We have a Dodgers Rewind that I'm super excited for, a five questions from Craig, all of that after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So this may be our most listened to podcast ever, Eric. Wait, why? I have an idea. What if all of the owners in baseball and the, the their employees agree to, let's say, commission a leader of all mm-hmm. 30 teams um, and imbue them with power, and this this person could then commission rules uh, and, and disciplines so that uh, they can kind of form the behavior that they want the teams to, to take place? 
isn't it isn't it easier though to like just like nebulously blame the other party like that that seems like no 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 the, the, yeah. I, as i'm calling him the super captain of oh, I gotcha. baseball would never do that there they would be yeah. a brave leader uh setting so, bold examples um with humility so in this utopia this this leader <laughs> would actually put the interest of the sport ahead of uh, either side of any sort of dispute oh absolutely hmm, uh, mm-hmm. man uh <laughs> Seems a little far fetched to me. I don't yeah. know. Well, so, uh, unfortunately, that <laughs> the commissioner. No, well, so so I only really know Bud Selig, also not very good, and Rob yeah. Manfred. Has the commissioner always been bad? Like it's hard for hard for me to tell, just because <laughs> in twenty twenty commissioners, I, I assume get out like way more rose colored. As the years go by, you kind of forget yeah. how bad they actually were. Um, Bud Selig's in the Hall of Fame, which is just nonsense. But uh, is you know, are they, have they always been this bad, or ha- have there been good commissioners? Is this a thing that existed? It's, yeah, it's hard to say. Like, I mean, like, so the 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 commissioner spot like um, came into being like because of the Black Sox cheating scandal. Mm-hmm. And the owners are like, Matt, we got to get, we got to get control of this. Um, so like, we, we got to bring this guy in and basically make him an autocrat. And like, that's what Kennesaw Mountain Landis was. Like he wasn't, um, I mean, he was hired, I guess, by the owners, but in a, in a weird way, like he wasn't as beholden to them as like most commissioners are, at least especially now, um, but then also he was like a virulent racist. So like, you know, it's just, so yeah, pretty much all commissioners are bad. Like the one, um, there was also like, uh, you know, Bart Giamatti was very short and sweet. He actually died suddenly after, after banning Pete Rose, you know, but also like part of, there was rumors, like part of the reasons the owners wanted him is because he like, uh, was very like anti-union when he was the president of Yale. So like, it's tough, man. Like, uh, also, but you mentioned about say like Bowie Kuhn, uh, who was a terrible commissioner. It's also in the Hall of Fame because you can just let anyone in, apparently. Um, but you look back and like you know when free agency was forming and like players were actually finding their voice and actually organizing uh, into a uh, a union, and all the you know the owners had it their way forever, and like all the quotes as it's going on, like they're just so ludicrous, like how little the owners like thought of the players and like management and stuff. Um, and like Buick, whatever, who, who cares what his name was. Um, but like <laughs> Buick, like his, um, he was just especially bad and short sighted and they look even more ridiculous now, like given how like the game is modernized and you know, there, the players do have a voice now. Um, although maybe, maybe after years of getting like beaten by Manfred in labor discussions, they have less of one, you could argue. Um, but that's also why Manfred's commissioner, because for years he was, he was, uh, under Selig as like the lead negotiator in CBA talks and, and things like that. So now, now he's just, uh, heading the sport. What he, what he really is, is the head of the owner side versus the players, and you, that sort of adversarial. Yeah, your your job is yeah. representing the interest of gazillionaires. Um, I suppose you're probably not going to be very well liked. Well, the weird thing too about Manfred is like he pub, every time he speaks in public, he seems a lot more combative 
and like I don't know angry about stuff like uh, or just he doesn't I guess he's it, it's weird it's like he doesn't like being challenged you know in a mm-hmm. weird way that that's probably oversimplifying it but uh, he seems petty and, and and let's just say not the probably a, like a great like labor negotiator not the best like um, leader slash mouthpiece for the sport so like that's where the part of the problem is I think but yeah, that's kind of where we're at, and that's why we're uh, part of the reason why we're in the situation somewhat. Um, but so the main, the main like crisis right now in the sport is um, the COVID nineteen like testing. We so we were we recorded Monday, uh, and the the Marlins had just played the Phillies amid having I think it was up to four players at that time, and they were gradually like getting more players like um, test testing positive. Um, it's it was a full fledged outbreak. Now it's even more so. They're up to eighteen players um, who have tested positive, and like they, you know, you on the trip you take thirty players plus three taxi squatters, so eighteen out of thirty three tested positive on that on that trip they were on. There, the Marlins are still in Philadelphia. Like uh, um, this is Saturday, they last played there Sunday, so. And then the ripple, the the part where it becomes a problem for the sport is the ripple effect. So they, like, by all accounts, like, the Marlins and Phillies shouldn't have played Sunday, probably. Um, and they did. And then the Phillies had to shut down, too. The good news is that since then, the, no Phillies players have tested positive. Uh, MLB reported today that three staff members did for the Phillies, but two of those were false positives. So there's, like, some... Um, you know, optimism that it like, okay, this wasn't like, it didn't spread, you know, that, that, that's where it gets like super dangerous where it just like spreads like wildfire and then wildfire throughout the league. Um, but anyway, the, the Phillies were out of, you know, caution and, uh, they, they didn't play all week either. They don't, they're not playing until, uh, Monday. Um, the, the Marlins are next scheduled to play, um, Tuesday. Um, so that's two teams had a week off, but that affected games with the Orioles, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, and the Nationals um, this week. And then, so eventually, we're gonna they're gonna have to try to figure out ways to make up those games. Um, the and then we had a second thing: uh, Cardinals on Friday were about to uh, open up a series in Milwaukee. They had two players test positive. Four more positive tests came out Saturday. I think of the six, it's three players and three staff members. So the first two games of that weekend series have been postponed. They're they're allegedly going to play Sunday, but if you take the the sort of the Marlins approach, you would imagine uh, they might uh, actually you know postpone more games. We'll see. But as of now, it's just um, uh, Friday, Saturday postponed. So. Uh, that puts up to 16 total games postponed uh, because of the of COVID testing. Um, also, uh, I w- about that Cardinals Brewers series, Lorenzo Cain, like this morning on Saturday, uh, he opted out of the season. He he w- he had already played, um, you know, part of the season, but now he's like, nope, gotta you know, health of the family, that all that stuff. So. He's out. The there was. I know we had talked about this in the past. There was confusion a little bit about if a player opted out, could he come back in? The answer was yes, but the deadline for that was um, yesterday, I believe, either yesterday or today, which is August first. 
Um, I think by August 1st. So yesterday was the deadline. Nick Markakis, who actually opted out earlier, he did opt back in. So he's playing for the Braves. Um, so, yeah, like it, now people who opt out, they're out. So like David Price, out. But I don't think any necessarily anyone expected him to like change his yeah. mind given <laughs> how vocal he's been. But, yeah, so 16 games postponed, eight teams affected. This weekend, 20% of the league not playing. So, like, that's a problem. And the other thing is um, Jeff Passan at ESPN on, on Friday reported that, they're, like, it's weird how this gets – it's like Schroding, um, Schrodinger's um, report, basically, is that this got reported that, like, Man, Tony, uh, Rob Manfred, the commissioner, warned Players Association head Tony Clark that if the league didn't get a handle on this, things could get shut down as early as Monday. Now, a lot of people's reaction to this was – like, um, well, it, that seems dumb for him to like put an ultimatum and say it's all on the players. But I, I think on one hand, it, I don't know, may, at first, like when I read that, like I didn't read it that way. It was more like they had a conversation and it was like, hey, we have to like make sure this works, right? It, it wasn't like, hey, dummies, like, you know, get, get your shit together. Um, I don't think it was that, but then again, uh, oh, so part of that thing too. Keith Olbermann contributed to that report. He was, he heard from people. He said um, networks broadcasting MLB games have been alerted to look at possible art alternate programming after this weekend should the league shut down. He later amended that to say um, that it doesn't necessarily mean they were going to shut down Monday. It was just that they were, if it if it happened, it could be as early as Monday. So now on Saturday. Um, uh, Carl Rabich uh, of ESPN, uh, I guess he talked to commissioner, the commissioner, and he said, he told Rabich, we are playing, the players need to be better, but I'm, but, but I'm not a quitter in general, and there's no reason to quit now. We have, we've had to be fluid, but it's manageable. And like this, where this is where it comes down to, like, you know, okay, like masks are literally masks are off at this point, and that's that's been part of the problem. But no, um. Like, yeah, Manfred, like, the owners and MLB in general, they're going to take every opportunity to blame the players no matter what. That said, like, yes, like, uh, players, there are definitely players, quote-unquote, at fault for a lot of this because of their actions, but it's also part of a system that doesn't have, like, defined rules or consequences and and, and penalties yeah so like and so it's it's really like uh you really shouldn't do this like it it is basically the 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 teeth of the operations manual so in fact uh just pulling it up um conduct outside of club facilities part of the operations manual there's a point that says mlb will not formally uh, uh formally restrict the activities of covered individuals that's the players and coaches and everyone involved when they're away from the club facilities, but will expect the covered individuals on each club to ensure they all act responsibly. So like, it's more like it's a, it's a stern warning. It's a talking to that's, that's all the operations manual like defines. Now players have taken it upon themselves to sort of like, um, you know, try to do this. Like I, you'd see, I think a lot of the veteran teams have done this. Like the Dodgers have pretty much from the jump, been like they didn't they've been talking i think through the summer camp about i don't know if they set down like rules you know they didn't like necessarily but it's like they got 
they basically have the understanding that no one's going to try to screw this up, right? They're going to uh, keep it in line. Now, the problem is we've seen a bunch of games on TV for over a week now, and players are still, like, celebrating because uh, it, it's natural, like, to celebrate. You're going to high-five. There's been not hugging, but, like, close to it. And a lot of players and coaches aren't wearing masks. And, like, so I think, like, there was a concerted effort, like, last night. I think that was more to the point of that Manfred Clark thing to, like, get players on board. And, like, the Dodgers, specifically Justin Turner, sent out a thing um, uh, through Alana Rizzo, uh, stuff they're working on. Nobody out of the lineup. Nobody who's in the who's not in the lineup is in the dugout during the game. Um, nobody, uh, the pitching coach isn't in the dugout while the team's on offense. The hitting coach isn't in there when the team's on defense. All the players cover their face while in the dugout, and we saw that with the Dodgers last night. Um, uh, no more hives, fives and handshakes. And then, I don't know, uh, it, it seemed like it was better last night. We'll see if it continues. Now, the thing about this is, like, while that that report seemed dire that, oh, my God, we could shut this down, there's just there's like too much money at stake for them to stop uh you know uh trevor bauer of all, of all people um like tweeted this but it, it seemed to be pretty on point basically in response to the manfred quote to Carl ravage and he said look the owners have their ideal situation like fewer games lower player cost increased playoff uh TV rev or increased playoff teams and increased TV TV money. That's their dream scenario. There's no way they're giving this up. So like, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I think there's still too much money at stake for them to. It would have to be like so bad. But then, but we talked about this last week. What's the number, right? Like, how bad does it have to get before you like shut it all down? And it's like the positive part about this is that no Phillies were positive uh, just yet, uh, and so it's not. You know, maybe they're not necessarily spreading it by playing baseball. It's more what they're doing, uh, you know, while on the road. I guess is the is the main concern. Yeah. So there's a lot of you, reports you, you, that right. transmission in an inside environment is way, 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 way worse than outside. Yeah. So that would make sense that if a player gets it, players on that team are at a very high risk or sharing a hotel so, or whatever. So it seems less dire than it, it did. For about an hour or so yesterday or whatever that report came out because like oh man like this could end all of a sudden that said like, it's certainly non-zero right because all it takes is oh. one transmission and her team and then that person is infecting everyone in the clubhouse so yeah, i don't want to exactly. say let's just take this lightly but no no if no you want to cling sure. to hope yeah it's one of those things where it, it could definitely get worse and all get shut down but i think it has to like uh, it does have to actually get much worse, I think, for, for that, which is weird. But then, like, but then all, you know, for a little bit, we're like, it is, okay. It is interesting to think of, like, I don't think it would actually have changed the outcome, but I think certainly maybe the reporting that if, of all teams, it was the Marlins, who not only are one of the least popular teams in the franchise, are also kind of one of the easier to, oh, it's just the Marlins. It's a Florida right. issue. Right. But uh, as, as it stands, they have the best winning percentage in the National League East right now at two and one. So. <laughs> two and one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the funniest part, like I think Jeff Sullivan uh, last night just just uh, screenshotted their their Baseball Reference franchise page, and like as of right now, like this is the only seat because they've never won a division. Both years they won the World Series, they were wild card teams. So like right now, this is the only year they're first in the division. Like, uh, <laughs> so it was, it was. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, 
Yeah. But we did have on-field stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Dodgers did not have uh, any games postponed, so, so some stuff happened. Yeah, uh, so... Should we talk about Joe Kelly? <laughs> yeah, so of all of all the people, right, to like, just to, to, to quote-unquote get payback on the on the Astros it was someone who wasn't on the 2017 Dodgers um he was on the 2017 Red Sox who lost to the Astros in the uh, division series but that's neither here nor there um so Tuesday the first game in Houston against the Astros um uh, Joe Kelly came in in the sixth he uh on a 3-0 pitch he threw well up and in to Bregman I actually don't remember if it went behind him or not I think it did because he ducked um but like like it was that was you're like okay he's he didn't get ejected but like i i think at that point i knew kelly was going to get suspended (laughs) and like it was obvious right like that it was so obvious but like anyway uh and then later in the inning uh, he on on a knuckle curve i think it was 86 point something miles an hour he threw up and in to Carlos Correa, who took a little bit more offense. Bregman just kind of stared and walked to first, but um, and then but then he struck Correa out, and they were jawing back and forth. I believe Dusty Baker said uh, Joe Kelly's exact phrase that set Correa off was "nice swing, bitch," and uh, and then the then it, it just got kind of funny. Like I don't know because Kelly was mocking Correa as he was going to the dugout. Like he looked back like, nah, like it's hard to say it in audio form. Yeah, sort of a boo hoo. Uh, yeah. And, um, Joe Kelly later said, I was just trying to like mimic what it sounded like. I thought he was saying. <laughs> so, which is kind of funny if you think about it. Um, so, uh, benches cleared in a pandemic where everyone's supposed to be social distancing. And that was like part of it. I actually thought MLB would, if they really wanted to get a hold of this, they would hammer like everyone involved. Like, you know, like you're not supposed it's that is specifically laid out. Like that. If you like, um, violate social distancing to, um, to argue either with an umpire or have an altercation, like that could be um, subject to harsh punishment. It doesn't specify what well, that's purposely nebulous, but still like that one was actually defined and they didn't really suspend on it. So Dave Roberts got suspended a game because the manager always gets suspended in that case. When a pitcher throws at somebody, it's like automatic. They specifically said it was for Kelly's actions. Why Roberts was suspended. Now Kelly was suspended eight games, um, which like, I, for the life of me, I can't remember the last time a reliever got eight games in a full season. And he got eight games in 60 games. Everyone was kind of like a lot of people throughout baseball, like thought that that is excessive, right? Like, um, so he, Kelly appealed. Dave Roberts didn't. Dave Roberts got to manage, watch the Wednesday game from a suite at Minute Maid Park. Uh, I was surprised. I, I thought he might have to leave, like go to the hotel or something, but like he was actually allowed to stay and watch Bob Guerin managed. Um, but so Kelly's appealing. Uh, I would imagine that gets knocked down, but it was one of those, the, the, the gist of everyone's sort of like argument is that the Astros players didn't get punished for anything they did for cheating in 2017. And Joe Kelly is the one who gets punished for it. Alex Wood talked about it in spring training. He said, you know, someone's going to take it into their own hands and they're going to get, 
uh, pu- or punished worse than uh, a team for the worst cheating scandal in a hundred years. Uh, that quote got a lot of traction this week. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's weird. It's, uh, it's weird, right? Bean balls are yeah. stupid. Uh, it's a yeah. lot, it's the weird thing, right? Bean balls are stupid. Intentionally hitting a player is stupid. On the other hand, baseball has historically been extremely like weak willed in in punishing everything else domestic violence the cheating scandal um actually hitting players you know mm-hmm. joe kelly didn't actually hit anybody um and on top of that <laughs> i uh, i don't want to say oh it, it, there's no way joe kelly meant uh to do this uh, either yeah. which way but it is joe kelly who can't hit the broadside of a barn if he wanted to so right. um I, uh, it's 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 just it's a frustrating i i don't necessarily like eight games for trying to hit, especially near the head of a player. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. Yeah. I think, and so that in isolation, okay. Um, but the problem is, is you haven't done it before. You're probably not going to do it after. Astros are still getting hit and actually getting hit. Um, I doubt we see uh, uh, suspension for that, or maybe we'll because it's the Astros. And I think that's the biggest thing is the first suspension since the cheating scandal is to what through optics at least looks to be protecting the cheaters and that's just horrible optics at the very minimum yeah for sure that that's definitely what this was like like sending a message like you you can't do this like generally baseball like you know polices itself as they like to say and this is part of that you know it's it's not necessarily a a noble part of that but it is part of it like um but I think MLB was trying to get out in front of it in a way, even though they set themselves up to this and they're in, in, in reality way behind because they, they sort of opened yeah. themselves up for this. And I with think their the weak, problem is punishment. I think the big yeah. and thing where I was really sort of frustrated is they're trying to get in front of this and yeah, they haven't tried to get out in front of bean balls for a century of baseball. They haven't yeah. gone and tried to get in front of COVID. They didn't try to get in front of the Astros cheating scandal. So many things where baseball has just come across as weak, and this is like the time they come out as strong, and it but just I, uh, leaves a bad taste in your mouth. So I think part of that is like they they put out the big number to get the shock value to be like, hey, don't mess with, don't do this, right? We can't have this, and. But I think eventually it'll get reduced by yeah. um, by appeal. But another thing is, um, I believe Evan Drellick reported this week that um, the players and the u- the union and the and the owners agreed to give uh, the commissioner uh, power to actually punish players for like uh, sign stealing uh, or you know violating mm-hmm. the rules to sign steal because you know you could sign steal like normally, but like yeah, um, so like that's that's a thing. So. At least that's that was part of the problem with like the, there were no rules. It's just like it's like the whole um, operations manual with with COVID nineteen. Like the rules aren't in place, right? Like there's nothing to enforce because you haven't designed them. So and that was part of the problem. Also, they had to give players immunity to get anyone to talk, and so that like you set up a system that's just faulty from the start. So at least like going forward, like they're getting the system in place, and that's like probably a positive but yeah so that's that's sort of where we're at on that and we sort of joke i jokingly said earlier about whether kelly will serve that suspension this season or not i do think they'll they'll keep playing long enough uh to where he will eventually serve that suspension you it's funny because usually these things are like uh they wait not always but like they wait till a player 
is like in New York for a trip or something, then they go to the league office and have their appeal. Sometimes it takes a while, but like now it's like everything's probably done via Zoom. So like, I think they can handle that fairly quickly. So um, we'll see how long. You know, it might behoove them to like handle it soonish because uh, the twenty. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it's going to go well. At least it's it's expected to go down to twenty eight players uh, this Thursday. Um, and then 26, two weeks after that. But be, just given some of the rash of injuries, and I think there were reports that the players and owners were like talking about extending the 30-man rosters for a while, which kind of makes sense. Like if, if players are getting hurt, and also you're you have you you're having to deal with this outbreak uh, where players or teams are needing to replace players. Like the Marlins, for instance, I think. I don't remember the exact count. I think they've acquired like six players in the last week. I think they claimed like three or four off waivers. They traded for Rocky Blyer last night for the Orioles. So like because they have so few players like who are actually healthy for – they're supposed to play t- Tuesday. That's the plan at least. So we'll, we'll see if that's still the case. But like their whole – they have to replace like a lot of people on their roster. So like this is so weird. Like uh, that. that's the other thing about like – the I guess the competitive nature of the league, but it, this falls under the well. It is just the Marlins, like sort of like that's a <laughs> it's a bad thing to say, but like it really is. Like imagine had had the team been like the Dodgers or the Yankees, like who are who had like you know eighteen positive tests, then like I think they would have been like whoa, like that's what do we do now, right? Like th- this is one of the our World Series favorites. Uh, wh- how do we figure this out? Like I, not that you know. Obviously, public health um, should, and the players' health and stuff should be, and everyone's health should be main concern. But, like, I would imagine the the team itself also played into it. We'll see, but I don't know. So, other things happened on the field, including my next Dodger MVP favorite, Corey Seager, tearing it up. Yeah, and so you might, like you say, you might have been uh, even. Uh, Late, uh, not late, but like <laughs> yeah, early say, on. It, it he, did say he, no. He said, I I, be, I believe in this league shutting. Down. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm they're not. insane. No, because if it shuts down, like, I, look, I don't think they would do awards, but like he'd be one <laughs> of the favorites for a two week season. Like, MVP, <laughs> yeah, like Shane Bieber is the Cy Young because he has no <laughs> runs allowed and twenty seven strikeouts in the American League. But um, yeah, Corey Seager. So like his, if you just look at his stats, right? Like it looks like a normal hot streak, like a really good hot streak. He's it's 344, 417, 688. He's homered in three straight games, but it, he's been so much better than that. Like he's just absolutely stinging the ball. Um, as it stands, his his OPS plus is 204, which is great. Again, it's <laughs> the Dodgers have played eight games, so like whatever. But uh, he leads the uh, he leads MLB with 19 hard hit balls that's defined as anything 95 miles an hour exit velocity or above the second place uh person uh i believe there's a few people tied it has 14 so he's way up on that he has seven barrels now i this is like a combo of like exit velocity and launch angle and based on like play-by-play data it's it's plays that have um, an average of at least an exp- uh, a batting average of 500 and a 1500 slugging percentage. So he has seven of those. The next the next place person has five. His expected batting average based on the, that batted ball data 
is 494. <laughs> His expected slugging is 1,063. He also has the highest expected WOBA. Uh, he has been absolutely tattooing the ball, which gets me to this. You know, so Seager, um, you know, his expected um, batting average is 494. His actual is 344. So that's he's he's uh, getting robbed by 150 points of batting average. Who, which Dodger, was the unluckiest in batting average in 2019? And I, I will give you this hint. Uh, it says qualified on the page at Baseball Savant, but I. Looking at it, it looks like I think the minimum is 300 plate appearances. Okay. I'll answer that after this. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Who was the unluckiest hitter on the Dodgers? last season and this is is just this is just batting average right uh so batting average versus expected batting average yes yes okay so So they're expecting batting expected batting average is much higher than their my guess and i'm only going to do one guess because then i'm just going to start you know there's not enough there's not enough available options for me that just keep going Mm -hmm. my guess is justin turner Uh, so i that's not right but i'll take i'm trying to I'm trying to see uh, uh, where he is relative to the rest of the lineup. Okay, so he's no, he's not going to be. Okay. No. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm I'm going down. So five, six. You don't have to rub it in, Eric. Oh no, no. Okay. Oh, okay. This is funny. So he's actually he was set. I was trying to see where he ranked among the Dodgers sure. lineup, but I was going down the whole MLB list, and uh, so his expected batting average last year was two ninety. And his batting average was two ninety. Oh, so wow. well, there you go. he was, yeah. So he was the seventh, uh, seventh on the Dodgers. Normalized, uh, yeah, the most yeah. normalized Dodger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now the the unluckiest was uh, Max Muncy, eighteenth in MLB. Uh, he he actually hit two fifty one. His expected batting average was two seventy four. So twenty three okay. points. He would have been, I think. The, I think I'm. He would have been up there on on names I would I was scratching down for some for some reason I had Justin Turner's batting average as worse than two ninety last year, um, yeah. But brain brain no work apparently. So, so uh, Bell, Cody Bellinger was second. He 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 quote unquote only hit three oh five, uh, but his expected batting average was three twenty five. But and that was at, his expected batting average was second in the majors, uh, and the only person ahead of him, Howie Kendrick. <laughs> three three thirty seven. So his his postseason run expected. Yeah. <laughs> Who, yeah. 
Well, some other stuff has happened. When we talked last week, uh, we kind of briefly mentioned it was so short. Um, right. Notice, obviously. Um, but we still wanted uh, we still wanted to uh, note that at the time, uh, both Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger were struggling a little bit. Uh, we we have some good news on one front. <laughs> yeah, I would say one of them still is. Uh, <laughs> Cody Bellinger not in today's lineup. We're recording on a Saturday. He's five for thirty six, uh, and has looked every bit of it. Um, at, you know, it, with his swing and stuff. Uh, the Dodgers generally haven't hit much, but yet they were like a few out, not a few outs. Yeah, probably what four outs away from being six and two. They uh, Blake Trinan gave it up last night, aided by a Dave Roberts decision to intentionally walk uh, Eduardo Escobar to get to Christian Walker. Christian Walker hit a three-run double, uh, to, and they they went up four-three. Then they added a, another run after that. So they're five and three, which is well. You look you look at it; it's funny. Like, oh man, they're only five and three. But then you, that's 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 a hundred win season in a, in a, in a full year. And it's, you know, like whatever, but who knows? Um, but Mookie Betts is like slowly, but surely like, uh, getting better. He hit his first home run last night. Uh, he also hit a double and he had one of the better throws, uh, you'll ever see. It was in the first inning. Kettle Marte doubled down the line. He tried to extend it into a triple and, uh, bets through, I believe Statcast said it was 305 feet on the fly and it was awesome. Um, and we talked to you about generally how he's looked very, very good in the field. Um, so that was, that was fun. Um, but yeah, it's just like, it's just fun watching him play, right? It's, it's very exciting and he's going to be, uh, he's under contract through 2032. That's really hard to (laughs) fathom. So um, the other thing uh, that, like, just baseball sort of finds a way, keeps going, roster churn, still a thing. Uh, like, so the Dodgers are on the road right now, um, but it, it, it creates a little bit more of an obstacle. It's why they have the taxi squad, or one of the reasons why, to have extra players available. And those players get to fly with you on the charter, so you're not, like, putting people um, on – commercial flights or, or like, and this isn't a normal year because they're not like joining you from wherever the minor league affiliate is. So it's not like from Oklahoma city or from salt Lake or whatever. Um, but now the Dodgers have, it's, this is another thing. It's not actually defined. The commercial air travel is discouraged, but not prohibited. Hey, the look, Dodger, another right, week. To yeah, get right. So the Dodgers though, are not having anyone fly commercially. So, but what that means is it's not like, congratulations, like Tony Gonsolin, you get a charter flight. No, no, he had to drive from <laughs> L.A. to Phoenix. Now, the way Dave Roberts said this, because I believe um, I sort of I didn't explicitly ask this, but Dave Roberts said he was driven. And so in my mind, like Tony Gonsolin didn't have to drive like he he could just concentrate. He started Friday's game in Phoenix Um so he, I don't think he drove, but like, but because the way Dave Roberts says was he was driven. So maybe, maybe he meant, maybe he was driven to succeed. <laughs> I, I don't know, um, but uh, yeah. So, so the roster churn um, on the road trip, um, they put Alex Wood on the injured list, uh, shoulder inflammation, and he, the, the report on him was, I believe, uh, don't pick up a baseball for at least a week, and then go from there after that. So figure he he could be out a little while um they brought they they found that out like monday 
and they brought Josh Spores with them on the trip. So, like, he didn't have to make an extra trip uh, to join them. But he was in the bullpen for a few days. He was re- he was optioned to make room for Gonsolin on um, – uh, oh, I'm missing one. So, first off th- – that was Friday. Uh, on Thursday, the Dodgers called up Victor Gonzalez, who was on their taxi squad, to give them an extra arm in the bullpen for uh, Gonsolin's start. And so, like, yeah – um, I'm sorry. They gave him. They he gave them an extra arm for Thursday, though he wasn't used. He was actually used Friday in his major league debut. Um, and then today, Saturday, they called up Mitch White um, and sent Gonsolin down. So now Mitch White also had to be driven uh, from USC, where the Dodgers alternate side is, to Phoenix. Um, so like, I asked the other day, like, because I'm pretty sure they had this sort of planned. Because I, I I asked like was was Gonsolin the only player in the car or I said I, I think the, how I asked it was is the person you're calling up or to add to that was Gonsolin alone in the car and Roberts said no at the time but I don't know like what what the deal is with that but um, I, I assume White came with Gonsolin and they knew what was up rather than having like two separate trips. Uh, but who knows? But the point is, like, major league teams are still going to make made roster moves, and it just sort of happens. So we talked a little bit about like the how the schedule, especially for those teams in the East and now the Central, are getting like uh, messed up, uh, and they're going to have to make up games somehow. And I think MLB anticipating that there's going to be more doubleheaders. Uh, the players and owners agreed, and it was announced yesterday that starting today. Uh, all doubleheaders will be two games of seven innings each. That's what they've done in the minors for a while, but it's weird. Um, which <laughs> it also means they're going to have the extra inning rule, uh, runner on second base, beginning in the eighth inning of those games. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it's weird, but like whatever. Oh, and the other thing is, uh, MLB will not recognize no hitters or perfect games of those games because they're not nine innings. <laughs> so, so as someone pointed out. Uh, you what you hope for let's, uh, is a perfect game that's still scoreless, and then somehow the player the the pitcher like uh, either through a <laughs> through a batted ball or or pickoff retires the runner at second, so he has a perfect game through nine innings and faces less than the minimum. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the greatest game in baseball history, I think, if that happens. So. Yeah, it's going to be weird, um, but uh, yeah, so seven-inning doubleheaders, it's uh, it's weird. That's where we're at right now. I think it's time for Dodgers Rewind. I think so, too. And, I'm ex- uh, really excited for this. One of the, my, like, when I started really getting into baseball. Like, I've been a baseball I, fan and enjoying going to baseball games for most of my life, but, like, when I really started, like, learning players' names and, and like, watching every single day, um who you've picked was a was a very early favorite of mine this this falls under the um sometimes uh we're scrambling to like put the show together and i was definitely scrambling earlier today and i go oh i don't have a dodgers rewind yet and i was i always try to like tie it somehow to like something going on and i sort of found it here in two ways um one is that this year the dodgers have only um They've only had eight pinch hit appearances in eight games, so one per game. They're one for seven with a double. A.J. Pollock had the double. Uh, he's actually been hitting quite well. Um, I also had a walk. Um, 
So under uh, they had 307 pinch hit appearances last year. Under Dave Roberts, they've averaged just over two per game. Obviously, the through line is that just removing the pitcher spot has essentially removed one opportunity per game. That sounds about right. But it's just an it's an adjustment to to be made. As deep as their roster is, they're not necessarily using pinch hitters a lot and and going for um, you know. I guess more matchup stuff. I don't know. It's just been a little bit odd so far. Well, I guess we'll see how it continues. But the other thing is Edwin Rios in Houston. That was the other highlight of the week in uh, on Wednesday's game. The Dodgers played the longest. Dodgers and Astros played the longest game of the season. One of only uh, I believe two of eight extra inning games so far to go past ten innings. Uh, they played into the thirteenth and. Um, so Edwin Rios led off the 13th with uh, Kike Hernandez, who made the last out in the 12th. He was on second. Edwin Rios led off the inning with a two-run homer, uh, and it was a bomb, and the Dodgers won that game 4-2, to two, so they swept the Astros, as Dave Roberts put it. Uh, it you know, it was nice to get – he didn't say revenge. Maybe he was asked it, but it was like basically it was nice to, to, to get the wins on the field rather than – it, it just seemed like a very – it was a very – like a, uh, they released a lot of tension, I'll say, in that series. The the Joe Kelly incident, the getting the two wins, that was uh, – it seemed like a, a very productive series um, for their catharsis, or I guess, in that regard. But uh, anyway, uh, so that's a 13th inning home run. Uh, one of the few uh, recent Dodger home runs that was actually later than um, Edwin Rios' 13th inning shot was Almedo Sines in, uh, in 2004. Uh, against the Pirates in Pittsburgh. He had a two-run home run in the 14th inning. And, of course, that was hit as a pinch hitter because that was <laughs> one of his main things. Uh, Almeida signs, I didn't put it in the notes, but, you know, his nickname was the Killer Tomato, which is baseball nicknames, they just don't exist much anymore. And, like, that's a fun nickname. Um, so, like, I always like that. Now, uh, signs, he, he played some, you know, he wasn't just a pinch hitter, but he was a good power hitter for them. And with occasional pop, um, in his four years with the Dodgers, 2004 to 2007, he had 49 pinch hits and eight pinch hit home runs. He hit uh, 250, 324, 13 as a pinch hitter. Now, I have two trivia questions for you, Jacob. They're they're, they're related. I will give you the first one first. Um, those 49... <laughs> That's rather odd of you. <laughs> That's like... Um, God, well, uh, I, 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 there's a, there's like a, I think it's a Mitch Hedberg joke, and I can't remember how it goes, but uh, the, the only one that pops to mind now is it's a fight to the finish. Well, that's a nice place to end, you know, like. But <laughs> anyway, uh, stupid. Um, so uh, Signs is fourth among LA Dodgers with 49 pinch hits. How many players above him can Jacob name? This is career pinch hits yeah. with the LA Dodgers. Uh, <laughs> LA Dodgers. Um, so I'm only, I think I only have one name and we, you and I were talking about this a little before there, uh, before we started, um, they just, baseball has gone more and more to less pinch hitting, um, uh, generally. Um, and for the life of me, uh, like if this had been Dodger rewind of somebody else on this list, I would have been able to say Almeida signs. I'm I'm happy about that, but unfortunately, that one is uh, who I'm benchmarked against. Um, so uh, I have Manny Moda. Uh, Manny Moda is one of the three ahead of him. He's he has 106 pinch hits with the Dodgers. He held the major league record for a while. Um, 
with pinch hits. Uh, Lenny Harris has it now. Um, I can't remember if John Vanderwall beat him first or, or not. But anyway, uh, 106 with the Dodgers. Manny Mota is second. Do you want to know the other two or do you I have do. other guesses? I do. I, I oh, have you... nothing that's even close to a good guess. Oh, okay. Okay. So man, you're in. I will. I'll tell you this. Um, I will. Let me ask you the second question then next. Okay. Um, Signs had 15 pinch hits in both 2004 and 2006. That's tied for the third most by an LA Dodger, um, including uh, one, two, two seasons for Manny Mota. He also had a 14 hit. No, let me see Manny. Season. Let me see Manny Mota again. No, uh, no. The, the reason why I'm not answering the other one is because this person is also here. So my, my question to you, can you name any of the two players with more than 15, LA Dodgers with more than this 15 This may be really stupid, season? but for some reason this is lodged in my brain that this was a thing that occurred. Um, Mark Sweeney? Mm, no. Okay. Um, it was just somewhere in there, like... He, a different a, trivia that's getting mixed up in he my He had head. 12, 12 pinch hits in 2008, so not, not terribly far off. Um, okay, so the person who tops both of these lists, um, 1993, Dave Hansen uh, yeah, had 18 pinch that hits. That wasn't going to come out of my mouth. <laughs> he, he, has, he, he has 110 pinch hits as an LA Dodger uh, the most. You know, maybe, like, it wasn't, I wasn't going to think of it today. Uh, uh, I'm still, I'll blame, I have, like, a year that I can blame baby sleep deprivation for getting these things wrong, right? Hansen also has the record, Dodgers, LA Dodger pinch hit record with seven pinch hit home runs. Uh, and Almeida signs both of his 15 years was had three. Um, so the other person uh, with, with the 17 pinch hit season was Mitch Webster in 1992. And the other person that was the most surprising to me for most the third most career pinch hits by a Dodger, LA Dodger, uh, Chris Gwynn, 52, just ahead of uh, signs. Mitch Webster hmm. at 44. Andre Ethier has 40. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, that's. I, I spent a good 10 minutes uh, before we went on there just kind of thinking of someone in the Andre Ethier vein, not a bench player, but someone that was either hurt often enough yeah. or. It was just on the team often enough that they just happened to be taking days off and then would be the first guy up. Yeah. Um, I, but, uh, I, yeah, I think if I had a day or two to think, I might have been able to tap into my pre-me watching knowledge and come up with Dave Hansen, but um, I wasn't going to... That was as good as I was going to do. I'm happy. I'm happy with my non-answers. Nice. You can't go wrong with Manny Moda. Uh, you never can. So it's time for... With Dins and Craig. We love, love it. Man, you're making me you're screwing up my notes. I have Sorry. to change my timestamp because we have to get we have to get that in. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it's it, you would not be pleased if you weren't able to get your we love it in. So, so there we are. First I question. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be mostly for you, Eric. After watching Mookie Betts for a week, it is clear he is a five-tool player, and I was trying to think of a time when the Dodgers had two five-tool players on their team, Bellinger being the other one. Then I got to thinking how many five-tool players I have seen on the Dodgers besides Raul Mondesi and, y- and Yafsiel Puig, and he can't think of really anyone else. Who is he missing? So, uh, I, I never saw him play, 
but like, I guess Willie Davis didn't hit enough home runs, but he's probably close. Um, I'm trying to think. So, Pedro Guerrero was always bad on defense, but he did have a couple 30-20 seasons in terms. So he had like some speed. Uh, but yeah, he's not there. Um, this is yeah, this is a good question. And one I don't have a ready answer for. Um, the yeah, the power and speed part, like like is the the easiest sort of way to remember. And mm-hmm. then it's trying to figure out if they were actually good defenders. There were there was a year or two where you thought maybe Matt and Kemp would fit the bill. Um, yeah, and then his sort of fielding mediocrity kind of got exposed. I think. I, I would say though at his peak, yeah, it, it's he tough because like those early uh, injuries really like uh, yeah. <laughs> most of his career he was known as sort of a subpar or par defender, um, yeah. but there was those early years where oh like he's obviously extremely fast, um, and that really helped them in the outfield. Yeah, I'm I'm just I'm having a hard time actually re- like remembering like. Uh, and then trying to figure out like some of the ones who had like the best like arms in the outfield maybe, or um, yeah, I don't know. I, I it's it's probably Mondesi and Puig and and, and Kemp, um, and after that, yeah, that's that's it. I like it's weird. Like Rick Monday, like in a weird way, he was older when he came to the Dodgers, so maybe not. But like he sort of had all the skills too. But like I don't th- necessarily put them all together with them. Plus, he was hurt uh, a little more often, so maybe not. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like um, maybe <laughs> I don't know much about Davy Lopes' defense, but like he did have 28 home runs in 1979, and he was a great fielder and decent enough hitter. Uh, so, but yeah, that's not, that's probably not five tools. So yeah, it, it, that's a tough one. I, I don't know. Next question is for me. Jacob, I wanted to know if you were able to wire your new house in a way to get good Wi-Fi service in most parts of the home. If so, do you have any tips for those of us who have their blind spots in their homes? So Craig did not know this, uh, but he probably could have guessed. I deep-dived into this in my new house um, because I didn't want to deal with um, a lot of the wiring stuff after furniture had moved in. So uh, the answer is it depends. Uh, on the mostly on the size of your house, um, and the, and then the structure of the house. My house is, isn't too big, but it is um, three stories uh, with uh, a basement. Um, and because of that, I didn't think w- a solution that would work for most people uh, is uh, buying a really really good centralized router and just making sure to put it in the middle of your house. Um, that should get you pretty good connection elsewhere. Um, alternatively, you could try to put it in part of the house where you could wire, say, the entertainment center or a computer, because uh, wired is always going to be just much, much, much faster. Um, but because I had the three stories, um, putting it in the middle of the house would mean my office in the basement downstairs, which is also where the modem was, so that was going to be an issue, um, would be iffy at best. Um, and I, with my work, I can't have iffy internet. Um, 
and and get things done. So I went with um, a line called the uh, Unify from a company called Ubiquity, which the idea being is you have a centralized uh, wherever your modem is and you have just a bunch of individual components that you have to have an electrician kind of wire um, different little access points. Uh, but it's uh, really it's very high quality hardware, but it's probably overkill for anybody that isn't sort of a hobbyist, server hobbyist like I am. Like I have a wall mounted server rack in my basement that has, holds all this equipment, which is complete overkill and I don't actually need it, but I, I wanted to have it. Um, uh, for uh, people who don't care and just want good Wi-Fi in a decent house, uh, any decent mesh uh, Wi-Fi setup should work. The wire cutter from New York Times will have recommendations. So I should take a picture and send you my server record. It's uh, it's it's overdone. I like it. No, I, I like that stuff. Um, I will say this: this uh, I I generally I just live in a small apartment and uh, I just have. Um, Spectrum is my internet provider and um, and my cable operator as well. Um, but the internet was out briefly this week, and uh, there was a scary moment, you know, because as, as you know, like I also rely on the internet for my job, and um, there was a point where I called Spectrum to like to get technical support and got the always encouraging message of we're too busy to take any further calls. <laughs> Please try our, our site uh, and, you know, whatever it was. And I went on the site and that site wouldn't load. Um, so I was like stuck in a, in a loop of no support. And, but then uh, within, I would say a half hour, it was like back. So like, but th- there was, I got worried a little bit, but uh, yeah. Third question is, uh, I think the only other thing I mentioned briefly, but if you are wireling, um, calling, call an electrician, get an estimate on wiring from router to spot that's sort of sucky and either putting uh, an additional access point there or just wiring whatever device you, that isn't getting good internet. That's the best thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, third question. What has been your initial impression of the three batter rule for pitchers? It's Yeah, it's hard to say. Like, it seems like you could work around it if you're bringing in batter or bringing in pitchers like mid inning, um, because if they finish the inning, that you could take them out. But like, ge- like generally, like Adam Kolarik has been getting more opportunities, like longer, and he's actually looked pretty good um, to date, because um, that was sort of a concern. Like they might just use they were he was used them more as a specialist last year, but um, I think it's one of those things where. It's not as limiting as it sounds like it is um, just because of the ending of inning rule and, and things. But there are situations where I think we saw this in the Giants series. The, they lost the last two games where uh, on the Sunday game, there were instances where the inning that um, uh, Sam Coonrod pitched, which is just a fun last name to say, uh, he's right-handed. And I just remember that game, the Dodgers like did not go to like – any of their left-handed pinch hitters, including Jock Peterson. Uh, and there was a point early in that inning where I believe uh, A.J. Pollock and Austin Barnes were allowed to bat against the right-hander, and it was within Coonrod's first three hitters. So normally a situation where, like in the eighth inning, um, there, there were situations where you could have pinch hit as well, but it would have meant the Giants you, uh, bringing in a lefty 
because the pitcher had already faced three batters. But I so I think it, it, it creates for situations where, you know, you can exploit it from from the batting side. Um, the other thing is the Dodgers specifically have um, they haven't always done this in the past, but they've been they've alternated right left just about throughout their lineup every game, um, and, and to, to try to avoid those situations while batting. Um, so that's something. Uh, so yeah, I guess that's that's probably the main takeaway is their the lineups have been sort of optimized for that. So that that's probably the biggest takeaway so far. I actually really like it. Um, I think yeah, it, like. It, I think it reduces the number of strategic moves a manager makes per game, but I don't think it's actually decreased the uh, the nuances of strategy because before it was just oh uh, good left hand hitter bring in left good left hand pitcher uh, and that was that was it. it kind of simplifies it's kind of simplified and this has more strategy of like well they have two good lefties but they have this really good righty in the middle is it worth doing it I think it's actually interesting. I don't necessarily miss the you know the one and done two commercial breaks within one minute uh, situation. Uh, so this is the one rule change that I think is it's not all good, uh, but I think it's overall a net win, and I expect to and uh, am looking forward to carrying over. Unlike I think almost every other rule change we're dealing with right now. Yeah, you're right. Like. It's one of those where I don't know if it's cut down on like the time or anything like that, but just from I think generally, like anything that like gets fewer pitchers like pitching changes is probably better. So like in that respect, I like it. The fourth question: Assuming the season continues, who do you think will be the two players taken off the roster when it goes from thirty to twenty-eight? So you, I know you mentioned that this actually might get extended, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but if if that move were to occur at any point in the season, uh, who do you think it would be? So um, uh, we Terrence Gore was barely used, uh, and he got designated for assignment. Really when, frustrated that he was yeah. pinch ran for um, uh, uh, by uh, Garen uh, bef- in an extra inning game before it went to extra innings. I was, yeah. I was like, I, I realized the players that um, made the last out weren't ones you would necessarily pinch run for, but I was still really hopeful we would have. That's something we would have gotten to see. Also, also when he was brought into that game, he was brought in as a pinch runner at third, which is like the least effective way to use a pinch runner. You know, like you're not, you're not gonna like. It doesn't increase like scoring on a single. You know, it, it, whereas. If it's from second, he's he's like clearly scoring on most singles, maybe an infield single. No, um, but like from third, it's like you know. I guess there's situations where he's going to improve your chances, but it it seems like that's the 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 point where you need the least help to score uh, from from a speed standpoint. I guess um, so. That was yeah, that was a little underwhelming. I think like. Given how good Rios has been, that and then they like the other group. When it goes down to twenty-eight, so I, I think they'll keep. Uh, they, they use Gore to bring up an extra pitcher, so their split is thirteen seventeen right now. So I think it would just go to thirteen fifteen at that point. Um, so I think they lose two pitchers, and then the low man on the totem pole, uh, Victor Gonzalez. 
almost certainly. And then it really depends. So they brought up Mitch White today to take Gonsolin's spot. Um, but he's he's almost certainly going to be optioned for tomorrow when they bring up Kershaw. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, Clinton Kershaw is pitching Sunday. Uh, and so um, I think at that point it's like, you know, it could be Dennis Santana, who's kind of the long man out there now, or one of them. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't know. I guess because, you know, you figure Dustin May is going to stay in the rotation because Wood's out. Um, yeah, it, it's probably like uh, Victor Gonzalez and and Dennis Santana would be my guess. But, like, yeah, that, that's just a guess at this point. Final question. I know Eric is a pretzel fan, but how do both feel about pretzel-style bread or pizza crust? And I can't forget pretzel-wrapped hot dogs. Any of those work for you? I love it all. Yeah, um, I'm kind of the same. So uh, maybe not on pizza. I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack a little bit and say I wouldn't hate that, but I don't think it would be an additive. The only thing. time the only time I've had it on pizza is at Pizza Hut because it's one of the crusts they offer, like a specialty crust. And it's fine. Like, you know, it, it's not like, oh, man, you got to have this. It's But it it's like, it's good-ish, you know, I, I guess. It, uh, it, it, yeah. Um, I love, um, so every once in a while, a weak moment, I'll go to Wiener Schnitzel and uh, just <laughs> craving a chili dog. It, it's, it's you know, it's rancid meat, but whatever. Um, so, oh, there goes that sponsorship. Um, but... Yeah, like I the one I do like because uh, you can make any like hot dog there a pretzel dog, and just put it in a pretzel bun. And so I like their pretzel buns there. Um, they don't always sell the the pretzel buns at like my local grocery stores. You have to like go to like a Whole Foods or a Trader Joe's to find those. But I do I do like things on a pretzel bun every now and then, um, and just pretzels in general are good so like yeah um oh the other thing is dodger stadium uh back when people were allowed there um uh and they sold concessions and food uh their wetzel's pretzels has a um uh, it's like a it's a pretzel dog but all it is is like a big hot dog that's just like um wrapped in a in a uh sort of pretzely um concoction it's not it's not quite a corn dog and it's not quite it's more like a hot dog but it's not like it doesn't cover like the ends of the dog it's just more like a wrapping around it but uh, i like that a lot um but yeah so almost anything basically i love it love pretzels uh yeah same thing um i actually a normal pretzel i find a big soft pretzel with just mustard a little bland for me um i would want a little bit of that uh but eating a whole one is just a little starchy but if it yeah. comes with any other dipping sauce i i'm almost always a big big fan i like it uh um, oh, i want one really bad now with like cheese <laughs> jalapeno cheese or something like I, that i yeah i i'm tempted to like malls aren't really like open for that <laughs> stuff right now but like that you just want to like walk through a mall food court and just yeah figure it out um uh, I did work at an Annie Ann's for four months. Whoa. And it's the only job I have been let go of. <laughs> oh. I went up to snuff for uh, great aunt. aunt oh, Annie. no. That's, that's shame. bad. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking about this. We uh, we talked about how like it's still so early in the season. 
So our first podcast of the season, we talked about one game. And then the next time we talked about <laughs> the, the, the next three, this time we've had four to talk about. So like we're, we just keep increasing. So like next week when we record again, we're going to have like a, almost a full week probably to talk about. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. It could be shut down at any moment. Who knows? But yeah. So yeah, who, I, it's going to be. One ending note, uh, going back to the five tool question, I have I, I've been doing Googling. Uh, I have five names I want to throw on the list of either, uh, and I say either. Uh, so one name real quick, Duke Snyder um, should be mentioned. As as just a easy a, a I, I I took Craig's question to mean more sort of our in our era that we could have watched, but um, I don't think it was actually explicitly said. So before people tweet at us angry, um, uh, belongs in there. And then four names of players who, at one point in their career at least, were five tools. Not so much, maybe not so much with the Dodgers. Although one I think you could probably argue for, uh, Hanley Ramirez, Bobby Abreu. Andrew Jones and Reggie Smith. Yeah, and, and I would say to Ricky Henderson. Sure, sure. Yeah, and obviously they had him when he was like sixty-four. <laughs> um, so I mean, uh, like, yeah. like, yeah. I have to like, obviously not my era. I'd have to do a little research, um, but at least on the stat sheet, Reggie Smith also fits the bill while on the Dodgers. Um, yeah, and certainly I would was say that, throughout would say his so. career. Uh, Hanley, Bobby, and uh, Andrew—not so much. But at one point they were, and they did play for the Dodgers. So, yeah, and, and like uh, Reggie Smith, also one of the underrated great hitters in Dodger Absolutely. history. Like, just just generally, um, yeah, good stuff. So that's, I think that's we, what we got. I think I think we covered it all. So yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've talked about everything. Yeah, yeah. Who knows what next week's going to bring, man? We this has been uh, it's been a weird <laughs> season. But thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, We will talk to you at some point.